Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. This is Dr. Dan, and we are back with Howard Hutchinson. You're kind of indicating uh, that there must be, at this point, some kind of government directive not to put out fires rapidly that they can be allowed to burn for a time until certain sizes reach or what? what, what is the deal with that? Because I've heard some indications that that's the case. Is that true? It goes to the statement by a firefighter, incidentally, who was working for the U.S. Forest Service. Black forests equal a green wallet. Every fire that ignites these days They bring in these specialist teams and they recruit uh, from all of the Forest Service District Ranger staffs all over the United States. And they all jump on airplanes and they fly to the fire. And they set up these camps and they bring in um, food preppers. Uh, They have huge kitchens. They've got water uh, that is brought in, uh, potable water. Uh, They set up temporary showers. They have, you know, these massive operations with helicopters and planes uh, that can deliver large amounts of uh, retardant onto the fires. It has become a multi-millions, well, multi-billions dollar operations. You, know, you heard the old thing, the military industrial complex. We now have the firefighting industrial complex. And when a district ranger or the archaeologist on a district staff gets called to a fire, they get paid hazardous duty, which is sometimes two, three times their normal base rate. And they make tons of money. The seasonal firefighters, when many of them are done, fly down to Chile for the ski season. So it's... uh, To me, I look at it as being a scam on on a grand scale. And they say, oh, well, you know, we can manage these fires. Uh, Controlled burns are good. 
prescribed fire is just the cat's meow. Well, yeah, prescribed fire, controlled burns. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, th I, I, I adhere to that. But if your forest is in poor condition, if your trees are full of dead tree, or your forest is full of dead trees, or insect infested trees, and they're all competing for, for scarce water, guess what? It ain't gonna be a controlled fire very long. It's gonna be an out of control wildfire. And then, boy, then they really start making the money. So what you're talking about is what I call the corporate political complex, because that's really what the public enemy number one is for us. Giant uh, multinational international corporations who are spending incredible amounts of money to bribe politicians control what they vote for, uh, all to gain power for themselves. And the politicians are in their pockets, so they'll vote any way they're told uh, to vote. So that's really what we're dealing with in many, many aspects of the nation now. But you've outlined what's happening in the forest management area, is that instead of acting to put fires out when they start, when they're small and controllable, they're allowed to grow so that so much money is put into corporate pockets uh, and I'm sure politicians' pockets and firefighters' pockets that it's a difficult juggernaut to stop. But you know, we you talked about the fires of the past, the Indians and stuff like that. And that goes in, in some ways, it is akin to clear cutting uh, in today. And what's interesting about clear cutting, and I'm sure you know this, is that there are a lot of veg there's a lot of species of vegetation that are very low to the ground, and they cannot flourish under the canopy. Uh, when you do clear cutting, that allows all of these species that are low to the ground to flourish, and there are also a lot of animals that feed on those kind of, of vegeta that kind of vegetation. So in many ways, clear cutting is assist uh, species uh, to have food and plant species to grow that otherwise would not have the ability to grow. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, if uh, and the forest is, is overgrown and those grasses and forbs can't produce, guess what? Those don't lactate. Deer do not lactate without those forbs. And even if they produce a if they produce a young, they can't they have no milk to give them. So if you don't keep the forest uh, thinned out uh, where those grasses and forbs can can grow, because deer are browsers. Many other animals are as well. Uh, and without those nutrients, they don't survive. Those fawns do not survive. The, the wildlife offspring do not survive. So, but, I, you know, clear cutting 
is appropriate for for certain uh, climate uh, areas or certain ecosystems. In your spruce uh, hemlock uh, type forest, where you have high amounts of annual precipitation and fast growth rates, the typical fire regime is a 200-year cycle. So that spruce, fir, hemlock type forest would have, let's say, a lightning strike caused fire. It would blow out a small amount of acreage. And in a lot of the Western forest, what happens is the the clones for aspen regenerate. I don't know if you know this or if your viewers know this, but aspen clones are the some of the largest living entities on the planet. They they occupy hundreds of acres, one single clone. But they require to have this periodic blowout in those spruce fir type climates. And when they get that blowout, the aspen regenerate and it goes through its cycle again. And you get eventually after, you know, a hundred years or so, the spruce and fir repopulate the aspen, the aspen die back, the clone retreats down into the ground and waits for another event. The same thing happens with clear cutting. In the ponderosa pine forest, in, a, in our drier climate here, the fire cycle was anywhere from 12 to 17 years. That's a normal fire cycle in, in the ponderosa forest. Our harvesting technique was selective logging so that we kept the, the forest thinned out, but we maintain a growth cycle so that people like myself would go in under a thinning contract. contract. We would cut trees up to four inches in diameter at breast height, called DBH. That left, and, and that would be on about a 16-foot spacing of trees. That part of the forest would sit for maybe another five to 10 years. Then you would have what is called a pre-commercial cut come in. And those people would thin up to like 14, 16 inch diameter trees, usually around 14, 13, 12. Those would go to a pulp mill. Then a cycle, another 10-year cycle, you would come in for the large tree harvest, leaving the seed trees so that the forest would regenerate naturally. The grasses, when you got all of these, all of this thinning done, the grasses come back, the forbs come back. It was it was truly a, a magnificent thing to see. And not only that, but you had the timber harvesters going in and building haul roads. 
timber roads, timber harvest roads into the forest. So if there was a fire, you had a fire line that you could you could make a stand on. You could you could bring in equipment. You could bring in firefighters. You could have a landing zone for for a hell attack crew. So or or smoke jumpers. It, it's it's so changed now. It, like I said, it's hard to walk through the forest at this time when you used to be able to run a horse at full gallop through the forest. You know, I've seen some of those pictures of the Western forest. Uh, there's a famous one with the trees really far apart. There's a guy, uh, a cowboy on horseback, uh, standing next to him, and you could see how easy it would have been for him to gallop through those trees. And someone took a picture of the exact same area now. You couldn't see any space between the trees. There was so much, the trees were right next to each other, and then there was all of this massive amount of dead timber on the ground. And that's that's just fuel for a fire that's going to be out of control. There's There's abundant fuel and no space to get in and put it out. So uh, that's what we're dealing with now is years and years of mismanagement. Uh, and actually, you know that it's purposeful because there are, there are a variety of reasons why the government does not want good forest management. And I think we should talk about it. I, I was in a meeting uh, here a uh, year before last, we were going through uh, what's called the uh, forest plan changes. And so we were having technical committee meetings uh, with the Forest Service and other interested parties. And one of the environmentalists uh, on the panel we were we were talking about the need to get back to thinning and and tree harvesting. He made the statement, and I about fell out of my chair. I well, I I knew he could have the potential to make the statement, but he made the statement that well, as long as nobody makes a profit off of the thinning and the tree harvesting, I I'm all for it. And I thought, you idiot. Who's going to pay for it? <laughs> you know, who are you just going to go in and, and, and knock down trees and just leave them laying on the ground and, and, be, and have the government pay for someone to do that? Um, there is no logic. And my experience goes back. Uh, it, you know, you, you have this new uh lady that has been placed in charge of the Bureau of Land Management. And there was a quite an uproar because of her early life affiliation with, with Earth First. Well, I have something in common with her. I was one of the founding members of, of Earth First. And after a while, I began to recognize these guys are crazy. Number one, they want to do away with our constitutional form of government. Number two, they have absolutely no respect for private property rights. 
And if they have no respect for private property rights, they have no respect for the most important property right, the human body, the human being. And they didn't care that spiking trees could kill someone. They didn't care that sending a bomb in a package was going to kill someone simply because they were affiliated with the timber industry. And I thought at that time, some of the original concepts of, it's kind of nice to have nature out there. Kind of nice to have a forest. Kind of nice to have clean running water and streams and lakes. But the inns didn't justify the means that I was seeing. And therefore, and I also had a good education from the old timers here where I live now. And I, I look up, I'm from this position, and one of the reasons I get reflection in my glasses is I'm looking out the window at, at a fairly nice little forest on the edge of my property here with a nice blue sky. And, um, and I can see for about 50 miles. Uh, it's nice. It's nice. And it's good for the human spirit. But Government control of these resources is destroying the very thing that these environmental organizations say that they want to preserve. I don't understand it. I I, I just don't find any logic in it whatsoever. I watched with tears falling off my eyes as our forest burned here in 2011 i can i could see it from my house here the fire was burning so hot that on a moonless night in the dark the fire was casting our my friends and myself's shadow casting shadows on the ground and this fire is 20 miles away it was unbelievable and during the day, the fire columns would build up. And I told my friend, because I'd seen this before, I said, watch that, watch that billowing cloud. And it looked like a mushroom cloud from an atomic explosion. I said, watch that cloud. I said, in about five minutes, that thing's going to collapse. It, the heat is so intense, it forces all of this ash up into the air. And the weight becomes such that it can't hold it anymore, and it falls. And when it falls, it creates an air blast that's the equivalent of a volcanic uh, discharge. And it blows fire out for sometimes three-quarters of a mile from where that collapses. And it just keeps feeding and feeding and feeding until... 250,000 acres were burned. So I look at this stuff and I, I, I look at these in the Center for Biological Diversity, their leaderships, uh, their leadership have their degrees in philosophy. 
they don't have their degrees in in uh, forestry or uh, ecosystems or anything, but they are the champions. Their whole philosophy is Marxism. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. People, I just love to hear that old man sing. Yeah, when I play the hoochie-coochie man I get joy in everything Everything, everything, everything